I want to talk with you this morning about God's plan for a healthy church. And I say God's plan because things don't happen very often by happenstance very well. Usually things happen with intentionality, and and when you have intentionality and when you have a plan, it's much easier to work that plan and move your way toward a desired end. For example, my, my plan for health is kind of happenstance. I get up and walk to and from the car. I get up and walk to and from my bookshelf. That's kind of my plan for longevity and health. Unfortunately, that's not my wife's plan for me. She is much more strategic and much more forthright about it. Often she will say to me after dinner, honey, you've promised me that we would grow old together under God's sovereignty. We're going to go out and take a walk. I'd say, I'd love to walk with you. There's nothing I like better than to take a walk, holding your hand, talking about our day, and praying together for our family and and church members. And she says, we're not going to take your kind of walk. Your kind of walk is kind of a shuffling, barely picking up your feet kind of walk. The walk we're going to take today is going to raise your heart rate. You're going to begin to sweat. I say, I really enjoy the other walks. You've made a promise to me. The promise is that we're going to grow old together, and so this is the way that it's going to be. Well, when my wife gets her mind made up, her mind is made up, and so we take regular walks like that, uh, holding hands together still, walking at a very rapid rate because the end goal is to be healthy and to, and to live as long as we can together under God's plan. Well, a lot of people don't have a plan for spiritual maturity and spiritual growth, particularly as it relates to a congregational life. And often congregations don't have a plan, or if they do, the congregation doesn't know what that plan is. And so, without knowing what the plan is, it's hard to plug into the plan. It's hard to support the plan. It's hard to to pray for the plan. And we do have a a congregational strategy, a congregational plan. Maybe we would consider it even a congregational pathway. Many verses, many passages in the Bible that we could turn to, but this morning I want us to turn to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, where Dr. Adamson directed our attention just a few minutes ago. And I want to talk with you about God's plan for a healthy church. Now, when you think about a healthy church, you're not thinking about the building. We know that. We've been in church long enough to know the building is the building. It's not that important to God. The building is only significant in that it enables us to accomplish the things that God calls us to accomplish. The church is made up of the people. And so what we have is not a plan for the facility. We do have a facility plan only because the facility helps us accomplish the plan that we have for the people. And I want you to notice with me in verse 11 that God's plan involves gifted leaders. God gives gifted leaders to the church. And the reason that he gives gifted leaders to the church is so that the leaders can equip the members to serve one another, to minister to one another, to be engaged in acts of service. Look with me in verses 11 and 12. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So God calls his people to be ministers, to be servants. 
And we serve one another. We wash one another's feet. We minister to one another. He gives the church gifted leaders to equip gifted people to engage in acts of service. But that's not an end in itself. That's merely a part of the process. That's a means to an end rather than it being the end. So as a part of that, he wants us to understand that this plan, this strategy that God has given us in his word where gifted leaders equip gifted members to serve one another is for the purpose of the church growing in spiritual maturity. That's the outworking of every member a servant. The outworking is that people are going to be spiritually mature and the congregation will be spiritually healthy. Now, often congregations measure health by a numerical metrics. Well, if that's the way that we measure church health by a numerical metrics, then a small church in a rural setting with few people moving into the area can never be a healthy church. But that's looking at the church through the eyes of a business model and not through the eyes of Scripture. A healthy church is where a gifted leader or leaders equip God's people to minister to one another. God doesn't measure church health by a numerical metrics. Now, it makes us feel better about ourselves. It puffs us up just a little bit if we think our church is, is a big church and, and we're a, a solid, medium-sized church. But that's not, that's not the way God will measure our spiritual health. There was a church on the West Coast, 14,000 members. 14,000 members. The pastor resigned in a shambles. It's a multi-site church, but the majority of the 14,000 members were in one location. Within three weeks, that church had essentially and almost entirely disbanded. Now, there were some outlying congregations, multi, multi-site church. Some of those sites survived. The majority at the main campus dissolved, it obliterated, and they went their own way. Some of them to other churches, some of them to one of the other sites, uh, some of them most likely didn't return to church at all. Now, we would have looked at that church from the outside. There was vibrant singing, there was strong preaching. There were small group gatherings measured by numerical metrics. It was a healthy church. It was actually a church teetering on the brink of catastrophe. And it took just one person to be pushed by their own mischoices. And it was discovered the church was not very healthy at all. Well, What God is interested in is laying out for us a real plan, a realistic plan in his word where he gives gifted leaders to gifted members to serve one another. Notice he says at the end of verse 12, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the building up of the church, 
for the building up of the people of God. Not the building, but the people. The building is important only as a means to an end. The building isn't the end. And then he says, this is to go on until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man. So we're we're men and women of God, and we're growing more and more into Christ-likeness, and we're doing it together, not individually. We're doing it as a body, not in isolation. He says the body of Christ in verse 12. To the knowledge of the Son of God in verse 13. To a mature man, to a mature person. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So there it is. It's the people of God together being conformed into the image of God's Son. Transformed little by little, but ever increasingly growing more and more in Christ likeness. So how do we know this is taking place? What's the evidence of it in us congregationally? Because we typically think about spiritual growth individually, but that's Western individualism, which has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity. Western individualism comes out of the John Wayne mentality. And you know, I'm a big John Wayne fan. You don't know who he is, but he was a, uh, he, he was a movie hero from the past. That's the way we typically think about it. Well, how is my spiritual life? What have you got for me? What's going to happen for me? Uh, But Paul is advocating a congregational life with congregational spiritual growth. Notice he says in verse 14, as a result, so we get on a path, we, get in a, we, we plug into a, a strategy that is based in the Word of God. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by in every wind of doctrine. We're not up and down, on and off, hot and cold, in and out. There's a, there's a sense of stability about us spiritually, individually, and primarily here congregationally. Not tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. But over and against that, speaking the truth in love, knowing one another well enough that when one's getting off track, we can speak the truth to them, but we do it out of a heart of love because we have a relationship with them. We are to grow up into all aspects with him who is the head that is Christ. So he brings this up now for the second and maybe the third time. The goal is congregational growth into the image of Christ. And every person has a a role, has a, a part to play in this. Look in verse 16. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. You and I are, are a joint, not in the bad way, in a good way. And so we, we have a part to play and we supply something to the body. What every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, we all have a role in this, we all have a part to play, causes the growth of the body, not numerically but spiritually, for the building up of itself in love. So he's advocating congregational growth spiritually. He's saying we've all got a role and a part to play in this. He gives to the church gifted ministers 
in order to equip gifted members to serve one another. Well, how does this strategy and plan work its way out here at Ninth and O Baptist Church? Because as I mentioned earlier, nothing of significance normally happens without intentionality. But we may have this in our minds, and we've not communicated it to you. Now, as I walk my way through this, you're going to see that, yeah, I could see how I can see this plan. Uh, we share it once or twice a year. Uh, there, there are little ad adaptations here or there, but primarily this is our strategy. It's our plan. It's our intentional approach to congregational health. And congregational health means there's going to be healthy people and healthy families. It begins by, by congregational worship, gathering together to worship the Son of God to the glory of God and to hear the Word of God preached and used by the Spirit of God as the Spirit conforms us into the image of the Son of God. Uh, this is where visitors come. There, there was a time in the past, in the 60s, when the doorway into the church was through Sunday school. Sunday school was primarily the evangelistic arm of the church. You'll find that there are almost no churches where Sunday school is an evangelistic arm anymore. That's evidenced by the fact that they don't have lost people visiting their Sunday school classes. And so for us, the entryway for people, whether they're believers or unbelievers, is congregational gatherings. So they gather together, they come into our, into our worship service, they hear us singing, they, they, they watch us engaged in, in, uh, in Bible study as we, as we meet in this room together. And then afterwards, they're greeted, they're invited out to lunch, they're invited to a Bible fellowship group. That is, that is they experience the, the genuine hospitality that exists in our congregation. So there, there are congregational gatherings. It, it's where people will first get to know us, and it's where we come together week in and week out to worship the Lord and to hear Him speak to us from His Word. From our gatherings, either before our congregational gathering or after our congregational gathering, we have Bible fellowship groups, our BFGs. BFGs are the assimilation arm of our church. If your Bible fellowship group isn't set up to assimilate people, it won't assimilate people. Uh, there needs to be some intentionality. The leaders and the members of the group need to think about, okay, when a visitor comes, what are they going to experience? How can we love them and serve them? Because we believe in the sovereignty of God, and if we believe in the sovereignty of God, we believe that every person that comes into our Bible fellowship group was brought there by God, and if God brought them there, may the Spirit of God help us allow them to feel welcomed and warmly received. And so, these Bible fellowship groups are absolutely essential for assimilation into our church, for people to begin to get to know people. Now, primarily, they are age-graded because studies show people develop friendships most quickly with people 
like themselves, young couples with young couples, middle-aged people with middle-aged people, senior adults with senior adults. And so primarily our Bible fellowship groups are age-graded, but not exclusively. We have people who are single who go to married classes, people that are young who go to older classes, people that are older maybe that are more interested in going to a younger class, and that's just fine. We leave that up to you uh, to make that, make that decision. But we call them Bible fellowship groups for a purpose because it's an opportunity for the Bible to be taught with interaction, for there to be discussion, for there to be questions and, and, uh, and, and group thinking about what the Word of God is saying. So we call them Bible fellowship groups. Not only are they important for assimilation, but they are very important for pastoral care. By pastoral care, I mean if there's somebody in the group that's sick, that group is going to be the first to hear about it, and they're going to be the first arm of ministry to that person. For example, many of you may not know Rose Booth. Rose has been a member here literally her entire life. She is not only one of my wife's best friends, she is very close to many, many people in this congregation. Rose has not been able to attend regularly for 21 months. She has been through numerous surgeries, numerous hospital stays, numerous uh, stays in, uh, in rehab centers. And by God's grace, we're hoping that she's going to be able to, to begin to return to us very, very soon. One of the most wonderful, godly people you will ever meet. And for 21 months, Rose's Bible Fellowship group has helped take care of her. For 21 months, this group has fed her, fixed her meals for her. My wife has been over and mopped her floors and cleaned her, uh, done her laundry, and she's so gracious and, 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 and grateful. But not only that Bible Fellowship group, there's another Bible Fellowship group that steps in. They know Rose, they love her, and they said, we want to be a part of this as well. So they have been helping Care for Rose for 21 months. Her doctor asked, what kind of church do you go to that you've got these people? She's got people from our church that are in the consultations with her because her parents are dead. She has no siblings. And, and they're in there with her. Beth Blackwell, who you saw on the, on the, uh, on the screen she just tells the doctor, I'm her sister by another mother, and, and, and that's the way that it is. I need to be in here with her, and, and it works out just fine. Well, that's where that takes place, in those Bible fellowship groups. And so we, we call them Bible fellowship groups for, for a reason. And we need them to be strong. We need them to be healthy, but we need all of them to be intentional about teaching the Bible, assimilating new members, and caring for one another. Well, if we're seeing this as something of a pathway or we're thinking about a strategy and plan, the, uh, the, next, the next part of it is discipleship groups. We're an intergenerational church. I love that about our church. The older I get, the more I love it. And to be an intergenerational church means more than you just have people from different generations that attend your church. If that's what an intergenerational church is, then it's, there's, no, there's no great joy to being an intergenerational church. 
So what we feel like as a ministerial staff, and you that have been here for years know this to be the case, there has to be intentionality if you're going to allow people from different generations to get to know one another. Because our Bible fellowship groups primarily are age-graded. So you might wonder if you're new here, you came during the, the COVID lockdown, what do we do? Well, on Wednesday nights, we do quite a bit. Uh, before, before Wednesday night shutdowns, we will have somewhere in the neighborhood of 70% of our Sunday morning crowd here on a Wednesday night. We'll be kicking back off in August 25th again. One thing we do are discipleship groups. We have gender-related discipleship groups, women with women, men with men. The men are reading through the book, Disciplines of a Godly Man. The ladies are reading through the book, Disciplines of a Godly Woman. You're going to be in a group, and you may be sitting next. You may be 22, and you're sitting next to a 66-year-old widow and a 45-year-old mom whose kids are entering into high school. That is, you may have a, have a, have a uh, 36-year-old single adult lady. You're all in this group together. You probably don't know one another very well. But over the next many, many weeks, you're going to be reading this book together. You're going to be pressing in, praying for one another. You're going to be talking about serious matters together. You're going to be praying for one another, and you're going to be getting to know one another better. Uh, we have a, a sweet lady in our church, Judy Jenkins. And I was talking to Judy one day, and, and Judy asked me about a younger lady, a younger mom in our church who was having some health difficulties. And, and she, I, she asked me, how is she doing? And she named the she named the young mom, and I, I was a little surprised. I don't know why I should be, but I said, well, how do you know her? Well, we're in small group together on Wednesday nights, and, and we've, been, we've been praying for her. And it just reminded me what a, what a beautiful opportunity it is to get to know people like that in a small group setting, studying and digging deeper into a discipleship issue. But it may be that that's not just the, the best time for you to be a part of a group. So maybe you would go hear Dr. T.J. Betts, who's going to be teaching on the Psalms. You set, in, you set in to listen to Dr. Betts, and you may sit down on a row, and on one side of you may be someone in their 20s, on the other side of you may be someone in their 80s. And as Dr. Betts teaches, and he's one of the, one of the, most, one of the most favorite teachers in our congregation, you're getting to know one another. You sit there every week, just like good Baptists, you mark out a seat and that's where you go. And so you're going to sit right there next to the same person. And you may be sitting right there next to Mr. Herb Searles, one of the most highly regarded men in our congregation, maybe Mr. Bob Golden, another uh, wonderful man in our congregation. You're sitting there and you get to know their story and you get to hear their history with this church. Uh, there's an opportunity for intergenerational ministry. You may say, well, you know, I don't have a place of service. I would like to be able to serve. Well, Wednesday nights is a perfect place. You may love to sing. And so you say, I'd like to be in the worship choir. You may not know this. We, had to, we, ha we haven't had the opportunity to have it during COVID. We do have a worship choir led by Greg Bruton, who is a worship professor at Southern Seminary. He does a phenomenal job. And when that worship choir starts, you'll see people of, from all age groups, all backgrounds, they get together every Wednesday night during our Wednesday night activities, and they're getting to know one another, and it's a part of getting to expand who we are individually into the congregation, congregationally. We're going to need people that are interested in, in discipling children and discipling youth. 
If we, as I think we will call Adam Cole to be our youth pastor, he's going to need people to step forward. Say, Adam, I'm with you. I'm not only with you by praying for you, I'm with you by committing myself to help with youth discipleship or with children or with preschool. I've told you how my wife, Chaylin, twice a month, she's in the preschool. Every Sunday, she was in the preschool this morning. As we get in the van, she'll say, you'll never guess who I was with. Well, I say, honey, there's... 800, 750 to 800 people here. And I have no idea who you were with in the preschool. She, she, she was with Ted Kantorsky and their oldest daughter a few weeks ago. If you know the Kantorskys, one of the best families in our church. She said, I, I haven't got to catch up with Ted for, for quite some time. And so she found out about the Kantorsky family, all that's going on with the Kantorsky family, filled me in on the Kantorsky family. Now when we're walking and we pray for the Kantorsky family, we can pray with a little bit more specificity. And so she meets all kinds of people in there and gets to know them. And it is a blessing not only to serve the children, but also to serve uh, with other members who are in different Bible fellowship groups and, and in different, uh, different age groups. It's a strategy. It's a plan. It, it, it changes a little bit here and there over the years. Uh, but we want you to know that... God has a plan for a healthy church. God's plan is to give gifted leaders to gifted congregations, to equip gifted members, to minister to one another, to serve one another, to, to begin to love and, and um, get to know one another so that, so that we can be a healthy congregation, a more healthy congregation. It's going to be a challenge uh, coming out of what we've been through for quite some time. It is a challenge for churches. And we want you to know that we've got a strategy. We hope you'll join on with us. We hope you'll, you'll find a way uh, to become an even more integrated member of this church. You may be rather, rather new to the congregation. We, we're so glad you're here. We, we want you to throw yourself in and to become, a, to become a, a part of us so that this building is filled with laughter and tears and camaraderie and joy and the sharing of heartache and pain with one another. And so that's where we're headed. That's what we're doing. I think the framework genuinely comes from the Word of God. Each church has the same passage. That means each church is going to look a little bit differently based upon its gifted leaders and gifted members. They're, 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 going to, they're going to morph into a slightly different picture of what it is. It won't be any more biblical. It won't be any less biblical, but it'll look just a little bit different based upon what people God gives to a church. And so I, I hope you'll be praying with us. I hope that you'll, you'll join on with us as you begin to feel better and better uh, in the days ahead. But the first step, congregational gathering, Bible fellowship group assimilation. Beyond that, you're going to be on the, you're going to be on, on the outside feeling a little bit disconnected. And what we want you to do is to feel very connected. Uh, we want you to be a ligament in this body. Uh, we want you to be a, a, a muscle, an arm, a leg, that, that you're able to exercise your spiritual gifts for God's kingdom service to God's people here. 
If you're a guest with us today, let me just say one more time, thank you so much for being here. We'd ask you after you, after you leave, we're going to sing one song in just a moment after I pray. In both of our lobbies, we have guest registration tables. There'll be staff members and wonderful people there to greet you and get to know you a little bit better. We've got a gift for you. We, we, we would love to be able to talk with you if you feel comfortable uh, with that. And so we ask you to, to go to one of those registration or one of those guest tables. Would you stand and let me lead us in a word of prayer before Dr. Greg Bruton comes and closes us with a song. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you that you have given us a plan, a strategy. Father, we think that it, it looks a little bit differently in different churches based upon the giftings of that particular church. And, and we would say to you and to one another that that's no more unbiblical than our plan. They just looked a little bit different. But God, you've given us this plan, this strategy. Help us, Father. Uh, help all of us to be assimilated, to develop relationships, to develop cross-generational relationships to find a place to serve, to use the gifts, the passions, the callings that you've given us for the building up of the body of Christ. Thank you that you've given us a building. Help us to always be reminded it's just a building, and the building only functions to help us do the things that we do. Fill us with your spirit as we sing this final song. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.